Hello everyone and welcome to our IntraFish podcast where we discuss the latest news, views and analysis from the international seafood industry. This morning we're going to be discussing feed, uh, generally the aquaculture industry's biggest investment and arguably one of its most pressing sustainability issues. I'm Rachel Mutter, one of IntraFish's editors and I have with me John Evans, IntraFish's reporter based in Brazil. Hi John. Hello there, Rachel. Yes, it was a very interesting experience to put together this uh, aquaculture feed report, ha- having not known or known very little about it before before I started. Yeah, so John John is the author of uh, of Intrafish's latest industry report, which is what he's referencing. It's an in depth report on the aquaculture feed industry. Um, it's a fantastic report. John's spoken to a lot of people, uh, gone really in depth on on the issues affecting affecting the sector. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about on this podcast. And John, maybe we could start by you just outlining what what are the big issues here? What's the big story? What key trends um, should the industry be aware of when it comes to the feed that supplies them? Um, well, the big the, what surprised me, if I, if I can put it like that, is um, what stands out for me is the progress that some of the alternative ingredient suppliers, uh, naming no names, you'll have to read the report, of course, for that. Um, but for ex- example, the the main challenge for alternative feed suppliers is to get to commercial scale, and a few of them look as if they may be on the way to achieving that, or are further on down the road in that direction than I would have expected when, when I started to uh, uh, write the report. And also, um, what surprised me is the uh, amount of work put in, say, by researchers on corn, for example. Um, in, in the report, we have an extended interview with Kurt Rosentrater from Iowa University on the work they put in over the uh, last two decades. That's interesting, yeah, because in the report you go, you go into the lot of, a lot of the alternatives that are, that are becoming available um, but just to step back a second, like what are the key trends here really affecting that that they're going to affect the aquaculture sector going forwards in terms of uh, the feed supply picture? Is there a, is there going to be a massive shortage of fish meal and fish oil, the key ingredients at the moment in in feed, or what, what's the picture there? Well, the industry is always wondering um, how it's going to fill the gap. Because one of the things it's it's always beholden to Peru and it's. Um, twice yearly anchoveta harvest, Peru, of course, being the world's or the industry's swing producer. Uh, after years of low yields for a number of reasons, we've seen um, recently record or close to record harvest. But how long that continues, of course, is the um, the million dollar question. Yeah, exactly. And I think the general picture is that that fish meal and fish oil. While supply to the sector might not go into decline, I think it, that as an ingredient is going to remain sort of a static supply going forward. Uh, those fisheries aren't probably in the long term going to be fishing any more than they currently are, right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and then and then and that's that's where they start turning or already turning to um, alternative ingredient suppliers for uh, for help. Yeah, exactly, because the aquaculture sector is growing. Uh, we all know that. It's growing pretty rapidly, um, and it's it's expected to grow um, to, to quite a size over the next couple of decades if it can overcome some of these sustainability issues that it, that it faces. Um, but I know there's a sort of common misconception, I guess, maybe more outside the sector, but that, that fish meal and oil need to be replaced um, in, in aquaculture feed. Um, 
but I think the picture here really is that they need to just be used more strategically. Is that right? Um, there's certainly a point there. I think when you say strategically, it could be um, alongside other um, components, other ingredients. Um, look, look at one area, Rachel, um, that the report um, goes into. Um, if we look at uh, fish offcuts or trimmings, as they're also known, they are seen as an increasingly, increasingly viable uh, alternative um, during the past decade. For example, fish meal and fish oil producers have increasingly looked at trimmings as, as a means of offsetting reduced uh, raw material supplies because of the effects of overfishing, crackdowns on overfishing also, and, and the uh, El Nino phenomenon. Um, the amount of farm fish being processed, as you mentioned, has had a hand in this trend, but also the amount of wild fish uh, being processed for value-added products. Um, senior... Uh, Robber bank analyst Goyan Nikolic uh, reveals his forecast for growth in trimmings uh, usage in interest. He's uh, new in his report, the uh, the future of aquaculture feed, which you uh, mentioned at the uh, the start of the uh, the podcast, uh, Rachel. Yeah, it's that's interesting because I think you go in in the report, you go into these sort of new alternatives that are there, but but we sometimes forget that actually there's quite a lot of um, as you say in terms of what's waste from the processing industry, uh, waste from other parts of the sector that could still be utilised actually for fish meal and fish oil. Um, so you talk about that a little bit in the report. I won't say too much about it because people need to go out there and buy it. Um, but, but what is it about fish meal and oil that are so crucial to a fish's diet? Um, the main reason uh, marine ingredients are deemed so perfect for uh, feeding carnivorous fish, for, for example, is uh, because of their particularly high uh, protein uh, quality, con the, the content of the, of the quality, pro quality protein, I should say. They offer excellent digestibility, numerous uh, nutritional benefits, uh, palatability and um, very high biological value. Omega-3, I'll try to remember the... Uh, the code for it, N3LCPUFA, puffer, is an essential oh, I'm, I'm impressed. Most... I'm very impressed. I've got it. I've got it. I, have to say I wrote that down in front of me. And it's, uh, it's, it is an essential nutrient for most uh, farm species as they actually need them in their diets to grow and be healthy. And, and the, the fish meal provides um, a, a balanced amount of all essential amino acids, minerals, um, so-called. I'll look at my notes again. Uh, for a moment, also lipids and fatty acids such as DHA and EPA. Um, these contribute to the um, optimum development, um, growth and reproduction, especially for uh, larvae and uh, broodstock. Okay, yeah, so there's, so there's an element here that's about the, the fish's diet and about how that affects um, production in the aquaculture industry, how it affects growth rates, how it affects health of the fish, um, it's susceptibility to disease and obviously fish meal and oil in the diet play a role in that. But also we shouldn't forget that um, a reduction in fish meal and oil um, affects the end product, the consumer product that, that people go out and eat and that people go out and eat because in part it's a healthy, nutritious product. So what happens to the fish when you start reducing that in terms of it being an end product? Is there an issue um, there? Uh, really, Rachel, it's something of a jigsaw puzzle, if you like, uh, a Rubik's Cube puzzle. If you take one component away from a fish's diet, it has to be replaced 
another way to avoid it having a, a fish, a, an effect on the fish's health. Um, for this reason, uh, companies have been putting a lot of work and research into fish gut health, for example, uh, mm. to become something of a priority for them. Um, the level of omega-3s contained in feed not only benefits fish, but also the consumer. Um, the, the current trend to replace fish oil with uh, vegetable, vegetable alternatives is causing concern as it uh, raises already high levels of omega-6 in human consumption foods. Um, some medical research, uh, how reliable this is, uh, suggests that um, excessive levels of omega-6 fatty acids from seed oils relative to certain omega-3 fatty acids may increase the probability of a number of diseases. But, uh, you know, the jury may be out on that one. Mm, okay, that's interesting. So it's it's quite a sort of a crucial decision here when you're starting to um, in part, replace fish meal and oil in in a fish's diet. In terms of replacements, yeah. you you researched a lot of them for the report. Um, yeah. What comes and this might be a difficult question to answer, but what comes closest nutritionally to to replicating those those crucial nutrients? Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah as you said, a difficult question to answer. And I'm not trying to be evasive on this one, but all of the alternatives have something to offer, and it may come down to individual customers' requirements in the end. Um, all the companies. Uh, you know, we spoke to make their claims about what their product contains and how close it is to protein contained in fish meal, whether it's from single cell protein or whether it's produced from natural gas fermentation uh, or in the case of fish oil um, algae from uh, seaweed. I suppose at the end of the day, listeners to the podcast can make up their minds by looking at the alternatives discussed in the report and by working along and, and as... Um, feed producers working alongside uh, the ingredients producers through trial and error. Yeah, yeah. And there, there has been quite a lot of investment by the feed companies, obviously, in, in, uh, in these alternatives. Um, I think one of the big issues uh, to start with was having an ingredient, uh, an alternative ingredient that could be made in enough volumes um, for, for the sector going forward and, and to be made in a sustainable manner, obviously. Uh, makes no sense if it can't be, um, in those terms, in terms of volume and sustainability, what's the most viable as a reliable new feed ingredient going forward um, to ensure healthy production, healthy food, and and a healthy balance sheet, I guess, for the aquaculture sector? Again, Rachel, that's a, a difficult one to say, but to make an, uh, an analogy, we, if we look back to the early 1980s when there was a battle between the VHS and beta formats to see which type of video recorder would be adopted by the market. Um, VHS. <laughs> well, obviously, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't remember that. I don't know what you're implying. <laughs> you may have read about it in the history books. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, but the, the, fish mark, the fish feed market is not so straightforward. You have multiple species, carnivores and omnivores, all with their own uh, specific health and dietary requirements with, within this again Rubik uh, cube of a puzzle that we that we mentioned. Um, so it's difficult to say uh, there will be a one size fits all solution. It's unlikely, as in the case of the video recorder, that one format will emerge triumphant. Um, uh, much of this will be about the feed producers working with fish producers uh, to produce feed based on a combination of factors, really, not least, uh, as we said, fish health. Yeah, yeah. So it's it, yeah, as you say, it's not as simple as, as as just as just one alternative. Perhaps it's a it's a combination of of several. Um, 
So this, again, might be a difficult question to answer, but what are the biggest challenges here then facing the aquaculture industry going forwards as as regards to feed? Yes, Um, I suppose we go back to the start, really. It's about compensating for finite resources in in what you said in terms of fish meal and fish oil, but also for all the alternative ingredient suppliers, scaling up, getting the banks and those that finance uh, projects to believe in them. Of course, uh, projects come and go, and some will fall by the wayside. But on the face of it, some of them are certainly more advanced than I expected um, when, I began, uh, when I began writing the report. Yeah, so there's, there, there is light at the end of the tunnel, you would say. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it's just really um, which way the, um, you know, the producers and the, um, and the alternative feed um, ingredients um, producers also decide to go work in town which they decide to go which way they decide to go together i think uh, as much as anything yeah sure okay well that's yeah that gives everyone i think a taster of what you cover in the report it's a it's a very in-depth report um 67 tightly uh, packed together pages of information um it includes a lot of statistics and and data um you've interviewed a lot of people for it all the key feed companies uh, all the key alternatives producers, um, a lot of fish meal and oil suppliers too. So it gives a, a really, really good picture of what the future holds for the aquaculture sector in terms of in terms of nutrition. Um, so thank you, John. Uh, thank you for the report, yeah. and thank you and thank you for talking to me today. Again, we'll be back uh, with another Interfish podcast um, next week. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us at interfish.com on Twitter at Interfish Media. Uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, everywhere else. Um, We're going to be in China next week at the China Show, so you'll be hearing from us there.